This podcast is sponsored by Baxter Healthcare Corporation. When you choose Baxter for your CRRT program, you're not only choosing true patient-focused treatment with industry-leading CRRT technology, you're also selecting a partner dedicated to optimizing your clinical success in treating patients with acute kidney injury. Our commitment to you starts with a program individualized to your facility needs and provides complete support every step of the way. For more information, visit us at www.renalacute.com. Hello, and welcome to the Society of Critical Care Medicine podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Pam Peek. Today, we will be talking about continuous renal replacement therapy and anticoagulation. I'm joined by Dr. Rajesh Spear, who is research specialist at the University of Alabama at Birmingham School of Medicine, Nephrology Department. Welcome, Dr. Spear. Before we start, do you have any disclosures to report? Yes, I have a patent for citrate 0.5% solution. Excellent. Thank you very much. I want to review the learning objectives. Understanding the use of anticoagulation in CRRT is essential. We're going to be discussing different options and citrate. We'll be discussing the benefits of low concentrate citrate versus high concentrate citrate. We'll also be discussing differences between compounding versus commercially available products. Why is this podcast needed? To educate clinicians about utilizing anticoagulation in CRRT as we see more clinicians exposed to the utilization of CRRT. This podcast will give a pharmacy point of view. Knowledge gaps that this podcast will address. Number one, what anticoagulation is ideal for in CRRT. Number two, other considerations to keep in mind during CRRT. And number three, what type of citrate is ideal for use in CRRT? Dr. Spear, why is anticoagulation so important and what are some considerations with CRRT? Well, thank you for letting me have an opportunity to speak on this topic. It is one of the topics that I'm very passionate about. I started working with Dr. Ashita Tulani back in 1999 on this citrate protocol for the CRT at University of Alabama at Birmingham. The CRT is a belongs to a family called renal replacement therapy, which is an umbrella of all types of renal clearance, which includes the intermittent, the continuous, and the or a hybrid type in there. CRT is stands for continuous renal replacement therapy. So which means that's a 24-hour therapy. What we would want to do is to make sure that 24-hour therapy runs for 24 hours in order for the patient to get the most benefit. However, the studies have shown that our delivery dose for the CRT dose is actually about 20 to 30 percent lower than the prescribed dose. And so that causes a concern because if you're not actually clearing what you're supposed to clear, the patient is not benefiting fully in there. So then you start looking at what is causing this decrease in dose. There are many, many factors that can lead to decrease in dose, but 
one of the biggest challenges, there's a circuit life of a CRT machine that is affected. While there are parameters such as the vascular access and other things such as the patient's own condition, a hypercoagulable situation, those things we may not be able to control. But one aspect that has been known to cause a problem is insufficient or inadequate anticoagulation in the circuit. So that is one of the reasons why anticoagulation is so important in keeping the CRT circuit running. So we can decrease the chances of ever having inadequate dosings. And there's whatever we prescribe, we want to be able to give to the patient in there. So that is why it's important. And so the special consideration in regards to CRT, as I said, C stands for continues. So therefore, it's a continuous anticoagulation is needed. So we have patients in the ICU setting who are unstable, very ill patients that are using this therapy, and they are already prone to bleeding and other complications. We really need to look for an anticoagulant, which is effective in providing us an appropriate dose, but not anticoagulate the patient. And then we need the circuit to be anticoagulated, but not the patient in there. So we want to not minimize any kind of bleeding complications to the patient in there. So the gold standard heparin anticoagulant has many. It's very easy to use. It's easily available. It's everywhere. But it does have a lot of problems with bleeding in there. So the challenge with CRT is trying to avoid anticoagulations, which causes an increase in bleeding and other complications with the patients. Thank you so much, Dr. Spear. So you mentioned heparin. What are the key differences and benefits of using citrate versus heparin? Heparin is generally, systemic bleeding is just one of the biggest problems. It is cheap. It's available everywhere. It is used commonly in the outpatient dialysis and the intermittent hemodialysis in there. However, when you're using a 24-hour continuous renal replacement therapy, then it becomes a challenge because that heparin is actually causes some systemic bleeding, can may lead to some systemic bleeding. That is where it becomes challenging. And then we've also looked at the difference between the actual filter life or the filter of on the circuit. Despite heparin being an anticoagulant that can lead to some anticoagulation in the circuit, it does not still leave the filter life as long as the citrate has. Citrate is much better in prolonging the filter life than heparin in there. So the filter life is prolonged with the citrate. The benefits of the citrate is it's the way it works. It anticoagulates the circuit only, but does not anticoagulate the patient. And there does not have the bleeding side effects in there which is what the beauty of that main, the biggest difference is in there, beside increasing the filter life. Fantastic. All right, Dr. Spear, what are the best practices for using anticoagulation and citrate with CRRT? The best practices in order to use CRT, what I have found over the years is you need to really understand your system, what you actually have, 
what you're working with, your staff, and what equipment you have, and really understand what limitations you have. If you're using heparin in there to make sure that the protocol is standardized in there and everybody's following it, everybody knows what needs to be done. Citrate, the same thing in there. I definitely would advise make sure the citrate is something that, while it has a lot of benefits, you really need to understand the complications citrate can lead to if you don't understand how citrate works. I think the best practices is to know your entire team is available for doing the CRT, your dialysis nurses or ICU nurses, staff in the pharmacy, to make sure that you guys are all doing it in the same standard protocol in order to make sure that you run a smooth program. Excellent. Thank you, Dr. Spear. Can you describe the differences between using low concentrate versus high concentrate citrate in CRRT? Yes. Unfortunately, in USA, when we started using the citrate in 1999, there's really nothing available that is a low concentration of citrate. What is available is solutions such as ACDA 2.2% or trisodium citrate 4%, which are actually approved for blood banking. By the fact that they're approved for blood banking and not for CRT, their formulations are definitely high in sodium. For instance, ACDA has a sodium of 200 millimoles per liter, and whereas the trisodium citrate has over 400. So there are hypotonic solutions that when you are using in patients, other than to store blood, it is, can cause all kinds of metabolic problems. High concentration of trisodium citrate is also another problem. So the problem is everybody was, when they were started using citrate, there is nothing available in the United States commercially that was less than 2.2% or maybe even 1.3%, but there was not an isotonic solution available in the United States. And that is what people are using because it is commercially available as an off-label. They cannot use that. The physicians are using citrate as an off-label because it is not an FDA-approved solution right now. That causes metabolic problems, whereas if citrate was available as an as a isotonic formulation, then some of the side effects and some of the things that citrate can lead to do not have those same types of consequences or they do not occur that rapidly as they do with the concentrated solutions. Thank you. Dr. Spear, what are the challenges that exist in compounding low concentrate citrate? There are many challenges. When we finally decided what we were going to compound as a low concentration in our practice, it became evident that for our practice, we needed a standardized solution. Reading many articles of seeing some of the own errors in our institution and others, if commercial solutions are not available to your choice, then standardize a solution and so that every physician is using the same solution. And that will tend to decrease error. However, compounding solution generally has, they cost more because it's not available commercially. They have shorter expiration date. They can lead to error because each bag is made in the pharmacy one by one. There's not the same standard of the same thing that you have as a manufacturer standards to follow. Most pharmacies are not uh, equipped to 
accommodate that. It depends on the number of patients you have. If you have a, like we, during the COVID time, we had like 30 to 40 patients a day in there on CRT. And that was difficult for a pharmacy to make that many bags per day per patient. So it is very labor intensive, very costly, prone to errors. But I think most of those can be minimized as much as possible by standardizing it, standardize your order sets so that different physicians are not picking different solutions. That was one of our biggest challenges at the beginning as well, is that CRT, the order sets were available for them to just pick anything that they wanted. And so by minimizing the choices, ordering, putting the standard solutions in there, and usually they are so good in selecting what's standard already because then they don't want to customize things in there. So offering those choices as only choices in there, that has helped us that we can keep it as a standard solution for our institution. Excellent. What words of advice do you have for a critical care team at a hospital that is interested now in beginning to use citrate and they have utilized heparin in the past? My suggestion is form a team that is has champions from pharmacy, nursing, physicians. That's what we had in there in order for it to go forward. Dallas is nursing, ICU nursing, et cetera. We wanted to make sure that all areas were heard and concerns were met from everyone. This started out with stocking the solution on the unit, compounding in the pharmacy, making sure that we can rotate stock and et cetera. So develop a team, find out what you really have available as your institution regarding machines. Some machines cannot do all variations of CRT. So find out your capabilities so you know what your limits are. And then learn one technique and do it well. That will be far better, give you far better results than trying to go to saying, I'm going to do CVVH, CVVHD, CV. Select one, make your team comfortable with it, develop the protocol, standardize things. And if you do those things, I believe that you will be on your way to success. While citrate is a scary thing to some many people who are not used to it, it definitely, if you understand how to use it and understand how citrate works, you will be able to manage it much better than what you thought you could. Thank you very much, Dr. Rajesh Spear, for being on the podcast. This concludes this episode of the Society of Critical Care Medicine podcast. Thank you. This podcast is sponsored by Baxter Healthcare Corporation. When you choose Baxter for your CRRT program, you're not only choosing true patient-focused treatment with industry-leading CRRT technology, you're also selecting a partner dedicated to optimizing your clinical success in treating patients with acute kidney injury. Our commitment to you starts with a program individualized to your facility needs and provides complete support every step of the way. For more information, visit us at www.renalacute.com. Pamela M. Peak, MD, MPH, FACP, FACSM, is a nationally renowned physician, scientist, expert, and thought leader in the field of medicine.
Dr. Peak is a Pew Foundation Scholar in Nutrition and Metabolism and Assistant Professor of Medicine at the University of Maryland. She holds dual master's degrees in public health and policy and is a fellow of both the American College of Physicians and American College of Sports Medicine. Dr. Peak has been named one of America's top physicians by the Consumers Research Council of America. She is a regular in-studio medical commentator for the national networks and an acclaimed TEDx presenter and national keynote speaker. Dr. Peak is a three-time New York Times best-selling author and is a science and health advisor for Apple. The SCCM podcast is the copyrighted material of the Society of Critical Care Medicine and all rights are reserved. Find more episodes at sccm.org slash podcast. This podcast is for educational purposes only. The material presented is intended to represent an approach, view, statement, or opinion of the presenter that may be helpful to others. The views and opinions expressed herein are those of the presenters and do not necessarily reflect the opinions or views of SCCM. SCCM does not recommend or endorse any specific test, physician, product, procedure, opinion, or other information that may be mentioned.